You're listening to Siren Radio at that very special time of the week when I make the right sort of connections and hopefully Mr. Skype will connect us through the blue sky, which we currently have because it's just coming up to a quarter to four on Thursday afternoon. That's Thursday, the 10th of uh, February. Um, And therefore, it's coming up to what quarter to eight in the morning in the direction we're pointing, which is towards the man cave in Woodland Hills, where we find, cosseted in his loveliness, that is Lord Bruce K. Rosenblum. Are you there? Ah, uh, the Lord is here, and uh, <laughs> I'm doing, it is a interesting day because it's been very cold, and now it's um, it, we're in the middle of rising temperatures. Right now we stand at 71 degrees Fahrenheit. The high today is going to be 85 that's unbelievable. Um, and I ought to say that we ought to have the picture of you, because when you came on screen for our little pre-chat where we, we do all this preparation, you are sitting there in the most gorgeous looking but very thick hoodie, which has the rams on the front, which is the clue as to where we're going with the majority of today's programme, because you have some really huge sporting things going on. But before we get that far, we need to find out how you're doing on the health stakes. Well, the health stakes are going pretty good. Um, let's see. We are, you know, I'm into day 22 now. Um, um, on day 34 is when I meet with the cardiologist. So on day 22, um, I, I seem to have hit that, that proverbial wall that they tell you when you, when you start to go, when you go on a new diet and you start drinking yeah. a lot of water and eating healthier, um, they say that you have very quick weight loss initially. And then you kind of hit a wall, and no matter what you do, it just seems like you can't you can't lose. And then and then all of a sudden something kicks in and it it starts to pick up again. So I, I think I'm at that point. Um, we you know we talked last week. I was down from 218.4 on my weight down to like 212.8. Well, today I checked in at 213.4. So I've been kind of languishing between. 212.6 and 213.4 over the past week. Mm-hmm. Um, blood pressure has, has varied a little bit. Um, today, it, you know, I, I looked up morning blood pressure and I learned that most people have like morning, what they call morning hypertension when they get up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so your, your blood pressure, it seems to be more elevated when you first get up in the morning before you eat, before you exercise, before you brush your teeth, whatever you do. And um, mine was particularly high early on, and it kind of settled into the kind of the one low 140s over 80s. And lately, it's been in the high 130s over 82 or so. And I thought that was actually pretty good, and it probably is. But it but the definition of when you look up blood pressure tells you that it's actually like what they call stage one hypertension. So it's kind of on the high side of normal when you're in the 130s over over the low 80s. So as much as I'd like to be around 120 over 70, um, I'll take the 135, 82 that I got this morning and yesterday. Um, it's much better than the 150 over the 90s that it was earlier on. So the weight loss, I think, and the diet and everything I'm doing and the exercise <clears throat> has brought that morning level down. It's It's not quite where I want it to be yet, but... I'm heading there. That's and, good and, to hear. Yeah, and then the post post blood pressure pill breakfast exercise regimen clearly brings it down even more. It brings it into the the good range, into the the levels you want to be at, into the 120s over the you know 70s or below. 
And, um, and that's been fluctuating a little bit. I actually went down, I had one day where I was at 116 over 66, which is like unheard of. Ooh. Um, yesterday it was 123 over 76. I'll take that every day of the week. So, so that seems to be, that's it, good. That's all, good. It's all moving in the right direction. And now they got the big thing coming up next week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, which is this thing called the the, the coronary uh, PET scan? And, oh, that's the stress testy thing you've been. Yeah, doing. well, it's it's actually I looked it up, and it's actually not a stress test. Um, and it, it's called a cardiac PET PET CT scan, and basically what it is is like it's like a body scan. It's like they stick you in the uh, a CAT scan tube, and it can last anywhere from two to three hours. And they and it you're you're injected with a radioactive dye that you know depending on what they're looking for different parts of your body will will light up so they use they use these 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 pet cat scans for a number of different reasons to look for tumors to look for for cancers to look for uh, your 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 blood flow through your arteries and through your heart. And there's a, a number of different things that they use. These, these, uh, they, they, they um, look for for issues with with the brain. So depending on where they set their markers, I guess, and and what they're looking for, they these things are very very valuable tests to doctors. And I, I'm not sure if they're going to um, medically induce my um, heart rate to to increase during this to see what happens when it's stress. Uh, I mean, I, I imagine over the course of two hours, they'll, they'll do a lot of different things and that they'll test for. And then apparently the, um, the results will be ready within a day or two afterwards. But basically what happens is because they put this radioactive dye into your system, which it's a very small dose, but it's enough to, that they can follow and it lights up. I guess the computer screen lights up either green or red, depending on, or blue, depending on um, if there's areas of blockage or areas where it's wide open. If, if blood flow is wide open, I, I think it pops up green. If it slows down, it turns red or yellow or whatever. Um, so it'll be interesting, and I think that will really help identify areas of concern for the cardiologist, if there are any. Um, like a, like a, a like a blockage uh, or, or 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 not, and so I'm I'm looking forward to doing this and getting it done. I have to believe that you know they already have five days of my heart monitor data, and they already have four of the key ultrasounds. They've had that information for at least over ten days, almost two weeks in the in the heart monitor case. I have to believe that if anything would have popped up that was of concern in those ultrasounds or that heart monitor that I would have been notified and that would have had been called in to, 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 you know, to take next steps. So I'm, I'm, you know, and, 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 or the other scenario is the doctor hasn't seen any of this and he's not going to look at any of it until after the PET scan comes back. But I, I can't imagine that, that he hasn't seen some information on what I've done already. It just wouldn't make sense for him not to have seen it. So I'm, I'm going to uh, make the assumption, and I usually don't, I don't like to assume, but I'm going to make the assumption that if anything um, of concern would have popped up, we'd have heard about it already. So I'm going into this, you know, feeling pretty good. Um, I'm still, you know, 
walking, you know, over two miles a day. I'm doing my, my elliptical. I'm, I'm eating, you know, religiously, but, um, doing, I'm doing the best I can. And that's, that's all I can do, but that's the best we want to hear. And yeah. don't worry about the fact you've hit, you've hit the, the doldrums because yes, you're quite right. Um, certainly with weight loss, you get a lot of weight loss to start with, but then it sort of evens out and there are all sorts of things going on, um, which can, complicate your your blood pressure but at least it's on the way down because you were up in the 150s which was really frankly um extremely worrying and i was worried about the stress and pressure of, of doing the program but today you're going to be talking about one of your favorite subjects but with a interesting nuance uh, is sport uh, and but you have the most gorgeous story to finish with so if people are saying why do i want to listen to this just hang on because the story that bruce has for you at the end is one of those our oh, wonderful fantastic you couldn't make it up stories so off you go downhill of the Olympics like the skier. So, um, yeah, I just thought with um, the Olympics having started and a lot of the controversy surrounding it and now the Super Bowl being here in Los Angeles. And of course, uh, you know, you can't have an event without controversy circling around it. I just thought kind of a sports theme today and tying maybe tying these two things together somehow um, would be an interesting take. Um and, and as we, as I go into my, you know, home stretch of, of, of getting this, this health situation under control, you know, I turn to sports and I turn to, you know, feel good movies and TV shows to keep my spirits up. Uh, I watch very little news, but I get, I guess I get my, my world stage news through what's happening in the world of sports because everything's so interconnected now. But the first thing that I noticed last week and, um, there was a lot of hype around the Olympics, particularly the opening ceremony, because of the the rave reviews China got the last time they hosted an Olympics. Their their opening ceremonies were just off the charts, and so I think there was this expectation set for how China was going to handle the opening ceremonies of the Winter Games, but it seemed to be um, mucked up for for me in, in in a number of ways. First of all, there's this you know, you can't really ignore the elephant in the room, which is the situation going on in the Ukraine with, with Putin and, and what he's amassing at the border there. And will, will he or won't he invade? And, you know, it just, it's a little unsettling. But here you have this backdrop of the Olympics and China puts on this opening ceremony. And to me, it was extremely disappointing. And it, it, it was almost like there was no human element to it. It was just, it was just lights and, and techno gobbledygook. And there was no human element to it. And it was no feeling of the world being united as one in sport. It felt very distant and very cold, you know, in, in what a, a in saying cold in a backdrop of a winter Olympics with ice skating and snow and skiing and stuff. But it just felt that way. And then to see Putin sitting there with Z listening to the head of the Olympic committee um, talking about unity and unity through sport and strength and teamwork and friendship and, you know, the spirit of, of, of world competition. And yet seeing, you know, and hearing the announcers keep putting the camera on Putin and talking about, will he, you won't he invade Ukraine. And as they're talking about it, there's the, the, the march of the teams coming into the, to the venue. And there's, Putin, they show him he's laying back with his eyes closed as the Ukrainian team walks by him. 
And then the next thing, he's up on his feet waving and cheering as the Russian Olympic Committee walks by. And then you had the political backdrop of Biden not, you know, basically he and his administration boycotting the games because of human rights issues, particularly what's happening with the Muslim community in China. And you have Z have two Muslims lighting the, the torch, you know, to, to kind of stick it back at Biden for not showing up saying, you know, we're not going to be intimidated by you. And, and it was just, it was more, you know, just, political haggling back and forth and political craziness that was just kind of pouring through what's supposed to be something you feel good about and something that, you know, the world can kind of put its troubles aside and, and, and work together, people of different colors and nationalities, you know, in, in, in the spirit of, of, of competition and, and friendship. And it just, I just didn't get any of that. And it just didn't, I just, at that point, didn't even want to watch the Olympics as a result of that. And then with the, a lot of the disqualifications and, and athletes not being able to participate because of testing positive, just kind of was the icing on the cake for me that this isn't something I want to do. And then when they did, you know, when they finally did light that torch, it wasn't like this big, you know, grand finale where the torch just kind of exploded into flame and the torch went up. It was this little handheld torch that they put in a holder and just kind of had a, a wire raise it up into the sky. And there was nothing big about it at all. It just felt small. It felt inhuman and it felt cold. It was almost like there's a, a, a child's toy called like light bright where it's a black word and you put all these different colored pegs into, into this grid and then you turn on the switch and it lights up different colors and different designs. And it's like, you know, what was so great about that? I mean, it just seemed old and stale and, and inhuman or unhuman or inhumane or whatever it is. It just, I was very, you know, it's like, have we really, have we really digressed to that? So I'm tempted to say, baby, it didn't light your fire, but that's probably not yeah. the right sort of thing to say. Yeah, just a, a little footnote on the, uh, the Ukraine thing and President Biden and President uh, Xi, the, inter- not President Biden, um, uh, Pre- uh, Putin, President Putin. There is a, a theory among some journalists, and in fact, it's been espoused on a wider scale, is that President Xi said to President Putin, please don't invade Ukraine whilst the Olympics are on, because he didn't want anything to um, to take the, the limelight off it. Whether that's true or not, well, you know, we're not going to go there. So, yeah. so let's move on from the Olympics to what's actually happening in your home city, because it's a really, really big time, isn't it? Um, yes, but it's just. I know you want to move on from the Olympics, but it's just it's just something that we have to all kind of keep our eye on. You know, we can all guess what the reason is for the two of those leaders hooking up, what message they're trying to send to the West, what what concessions do they want from the West, um, what what is really the end game here? In in and it seems like you know, the political diplomacy is 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 on high alert right now and is in, on center stage. Macron had met with Putin. Indeed. I know Biden has talked to him. Um, you know, will he or won't he? I, I really hope that it doesn't come in in this day and age that it comes down to something like that, because I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand the mentality of, of doing that in, in, in a world in which we live in that needs so many things fixed and there's so many people hurting. I don't know why you want to want to do something, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to the so-called experts and just kind of keep my eye on it. But, you know, it's just, 
it's just a shame that it's, it, it all happens around and takes away from what's supposed to be, you know, a unifying fun two weeks. And it's, it's just disappointing, but let's, let's bring it, let's bring it closer to home here in Los Angeles. We have an event every year um, called the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl is put on by the National Football League. And the National Football League has done an interesting job over the past number of years sending teams to, to London to play. Indeed. And, and you've seen the NFL um, create a European league that, that didn't quite work out the way they had hoped, but they tried to introduce American football across Europe. Um, but so the, you know, the, the Brits should be pretty familiar with American football. I mean, teams have come over. I think the Rams have been there. Um, I know that you know, just about every team has had a chance to, to go to London to play. So, um, but they have this event. They call it the, the Super Bowl. It's actually the, 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 the two best teams at the end of the year and the end of all the postseason playoffs get to go head to head to see who will become the world champions of the National Football League. And this is the 56th Super Bowl. It's being played at the new SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And for the first time ever in a Super Bowl, the home city team is playing in its stadium in the Super Bowl, and that's our Los Angeles Rams. Amazing. And, uh, and so that's a pretty big deal. But, you know, unfortunately, um, in sports these days, because it's become a platform and people have politicized sports, not only have politicians politicized it, um, <clears throat> but athletes have politicized it as well. They've done Athletes have done that for years, but... For politicians to, to, to push back at athletes for how they're using their voice, um, it's only really something more recent, I think. And, um, <clears throat> and, and so we have our, we have our issues. Um, we have security issues. We have crime issues. We have racist, racism issues. But then we have a feel good issue and I'll, and I'll finish up on that last. But so the big security, um, issue that was talked about this morning and it's all over the news here in Los Angeles. That you're familiar with the trucker strike going on up in Canada, right? We certainly are. Some amazing pictures. Yeah, amazing pictures of the gridlock and the and the traffic jams and the miles and miles and miles of trucks that are just truckers that are you know trying to protest masks and vaccinations due to this whole COVID pandemic. And you know it's unfortunate that they're doing that. I mean, I, I get that they, they they feel they have a voice and they want to use their trucks to to make their point, but. They're also putting communities and people at risk. They're not allowing children to get to schools. They're not allowing people to get to their doctors and hospitals. Um, they're, they're disrupting the supply chain and it's, it's, it's making matters worse and better. And I don't think that people are going to feel good about these truckers after it's all said and done for what they're doing. You know, they, they made their point. Okay. Uh, they made their point. They don't have to now go, you know, push it beyond that and, and start to disrupt and hurt people's lives, which they're doing. But, now, Los Angeles has issued a warning, and Los Angeles police and other law enforcement agencies are on alert now because they're saying they want to take this this trucking protest into Los Angeles and disrupt the Super Bowl by 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 causing gridlock in the main uh, arteries of of the city to make it difficult for people to get to the game, make it difficult for law enforcement to do its job, and that's really, I mean, that's just, you know. <laughs> that's just it's 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 like oh it's unacceptable and, and if, if if that actually happens and it and it and they they say that it very well could 
And, and there are, there are a number of elements in, in the Los Angeles area who, um, have, you know, been on, 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 on the political, political side of this whole mask and vaccine thing here, uh, where they could, they could just pull that off. So it's something that we're on alert for now as we get closer to Sunday's game. Crime as a result of the pandemic and now as a result of, um, this influx of, of tourists um, coming into the game with money to spend is on the rise. Um, last night there was a robbery where a tourist who was in for the game um, was shot and had a Cartier watch stolen. And it, it's just one of many stories. There has been, in the, in the last playoff game at SoFi Stadium, uh, a San Francisco fan was beaten into a, uh, beaten senseless and, and is in a medically induced coma now. Another, uh, others have come forward to say that there was fights, no security to break it up, and people were hurt um, because of people getting, you know, overly worked up over, yeah. you know, which team is going to win or lose, which is, is crazy. But you put a few drinks in these people, and that's what happens. Um, and that was apparently the root of what happened with these with this guy in the coma. Um, some some drinking and some taunting led to him getting sucker punched. But crime in general is, is on the rise, not just assaults, but, um, you know, white collar crime where, <clears throat> um, illegal merchandise, unlicensed merchandise is being sold to the unknowing coming in for the game. And it's, it's so rampant. It's, it's almost impossible for law enforcement to control, you know, fake t-shirts, fake hats. Um, fake merchandise that's not licensed by the NFL is being sold on the streets. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, it, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's, it sends a bad message about the city and it's just, it's just sends a bad message, you know, with, with, with the potential protests and crime on the rise. It, it paints a, a, a kind of a bleak picture for the NFL. And then on top of that, during this whole week, uh, the former coach of the Miami Dolphins football team, Brian Flores, has filed a, a racism, or, you know, a, a lawsuit against the NFL, claiming that that um, claiming racism. <clears throat> he was he claimed that he was fired for standing up to ownership and um, and not accepting uh, a bribe that they told that they offered him to lose games so that they could have a higher draft pick. <laughs> and a memo about that, which was actually posted on the NFL website, was suddenly removed, not to be seen. He's also claiming that in him, his trying to seek other employment, that, um, that the, the, the people that he interviewed with, and in this case, the Denver Broncos were biased and had really no intention of hiring him, went through the motions. And when the team that interviewed him showed up to the interview, that they appeared inebriated. And the NFL is now fighting back and, and, and claiming that, you know, they're, they're trying to, to smear him in the press and say that, you know, he's, he's off base. And, um, and, and those involved with the Denver Broncos are claiming that, you know, one of them is John Elway, who's a NFL legend and actually a local kid here from Granada Hills who grew up, you know, very close to us, um, is claiming that, you know, the team, they had come back from another interview. They flew all night. They were tired, yet they took the interview and they were totally prepared to hire the guy. Now that's easily, you know, he can, he can say that to make, to, to make himself look good, but whether that's true or not, you know, it's who really knows. But the fact of the matter is, 
if you look at the number of black head coaches in the NFL out of the 32 teams or so, there's like one coach. There was, um, um, there was the coach of the Dolphins and then there's the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's pretty much it. Um, you know, a few years back, you know, when this issue came up about black head coaches, there was a Super Bowl where actually, um, two head coaches were that went against you. So we're both, we're both black, Tony Dungy from the, the Colts. And I forgot who the, uh, uh, I think it was Lovey Smith from the Bears when they played in the Super Bowl. Um, but that's, but that's the last time there was probably more than four or five black head coaches. And they just, they just seem to be somewhat lazy in, in doing this. And they're claiming, you know, this whole NFL with these old, old school owners that it's all about the white privilege again, that, that issue keeps coming up. And, um, you know, and, and whether Brian Flores has a case or not, he certainly, you know, shed a lot of light on what's happening in NFL. It's put them all on, on, on defense. And they're all saying, yeah, we have to do a better job. There isn't enough black coaches. You know, you got to promote, but it's not only in the NFL, it's in the college ranks too. Of all the 110 so odd, some odd, uh, division one powerhouse football, you know, colleges with football programs, there's only, you know, probably you could count on your, your, your one hand how many black head coaches there are. You know, um, so it's, it's, it's a problem not only in the NFL, but it's a problem in, in, in the college ranks as well. And, you know, and it's, it's funny because we talked about this white privilege thing last week and, and, and you have this guy, Joe Rogan on this Spotify podcast, who's been, you know, espousing bigotry for years and nothing happens and nobody holds him accountable. You know, it's just, they slap him on the wrist. He promises to be better, you know, and they, they Spotify makes some, you know, meaningless changes. Um, and, and yet nothing happens. He's still on the air, you know, espousing his, his nonsense. Whereas someone like Whoopi Goldberg, who, you know, she, she took a position that was incorrect about the Holocaust. <clears throat> and, and yet she gets suspended for two weeks, you know, so a black woman who puts out misinformation that comes back on the air to apologize gets a two week suspension. Joe Rogan, nothing happens to him. Um, so it, it, again, it's just, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. This is a lot of this has been, you know, brought to light since the George Floyd situation a few years ago, but it just doesn't seem like anything's changing or anything's getting better. It's the same old, same old. And it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's quite it's depressing, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is quite depressing. Now, the only, the only really, you know, fun thing, I mean, I think it's cool that, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, putting all this, this, the, all these other distractions and all this other extracurricular, you know, controversy aside, there is some fun stuff going on. I mean, the Rams have been doing these pep rallies around the city <laughs> and it's been really good for the city. There, the Rams have found a new, a new fan base and they're trying to tap into it and, 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 and they're marketing it very well. Um, they actually did a big rally. Uh, at at uh, at the the Grove where we went and had uh, dinner one night and they, we we got a we got some some swag and went over there and um, but but there's a key connection in the city that ties the Dodgers to the Rams and that is that the quarterback that the Rams have a guy named Matthew Stafford who played at the University of Georgia had played for the Detroit Lions his whole career he finished last every year. Not due to oh, his, not his fault because he's a great quarterback, but the team around him was just so bad. So the Rams took their quarterback who got them to the Super Bowl a few years ago when they lost. They traded him straight up 
to the Detroit Lions, <laughs> and they put and they took Matthew Stafford in 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 uh, in turn, right? So Matthew okay, Stafford okay. now leads the Rams to the Super Bowl, and Jared Goff, who was traded to the t- Detroit Lions, ended up one win and sixteen losses this year. <laughs> so. So, which is really cool. Now, Matthew Stafford has an interesting connection because growing up, his best friend growing up all throughout school and, and on every sports team was Clayton Kershaw, who is the Dodgers number one pitcher. He will be, Clayton Kershaw is, it will be headed to the Hall of Fame once he, once he retires from baseball. And he helped lead the Dodgers to a World Series. And Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw were, <clears throat> have known each other since they were, you know, five or six years old, have played on every baseball, football, basketball team throughout growing up in high school, have remained friends, and Clayton's going to be at the game on the Super Bowl on Sunday. So I'm sure that will be a big story, and he'll, the cameras will be on Clayton Kershaw in, the, in a suite somewhere watching the game, watch, cheering on his lifelong friend Matthew Stafford. So... So it's really great, you know. They got all the, the LA sports teams are, are very involved um, in, in support of the Rams. You have the Kershaw Stafford connection, and um, it's 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 you know it's pretty good because you know for so long Los Angeles did not have a professional football team. We had the Rams. The Rams were came moved from Cleveland in the 50s to Los Angeles, and I think they won a title before the Super Bowl became the official championship game. I think they won a title in like 50 or 51, 19, you know, but it's been a long time. And then the Rams were played at the Los Angeles Coliseum um, for years until there was an issue over, I guess, building them a stadium. And Anaheim lured the, the, the Rams away from Los Angeles. They became the Anaheim Rams. And then after a few years, the Rams decided to pack up and move to St. Louis. I guess they were promised... Uh, uh, a better stadium there. So there became the St. Louis Rams and Los Angeles was without a team. But then team from up North, the Oakland Raiders decided they were going to leave Oakland over a spat about a, a stadium. And they moved to the Coliseum where they, where they you know, pitched their tent for a few years. They actually won a Super Bowl while they were here. Um, the fan base fell in love with them, but the fan base of the Raiders is not like any other team. The, the Raiders are, are known for their dirty play, and mm-hmm. their fans buy into that, and the fans get very rowdy and very aggressive at these games, and there's always fights, and it's a very kind of, a, it's almost like an unsafe atmosphere when you go to a Raider game. That's not good. That's not good. And, um, and so the Raiders got into an issue with the city of Los Angeles over a stadium. Al Davis moved them back to Oakland. And so for the last 20 years or so, we've been without a team in L.A. So there's really been no loyalty. So <clears throat> you, you had L.A. fans rooting for San Diego or L.A. Ram fans rooting for Oakland um, or L.A. fans rooting for San Francisco. And so the 49ers. When had, yeah, when you had the 49ers down here for the game, half the stadium was 49ers fans because that's cool. who, you know, the people in L.A. became loyal to was the 49ers. And so the Rams are in the, you know, they're in a re, rebuilding their fan base mode. So this is, this is a good thing to have the, you know, and, and plus, you know, when the Rams moved, moved back from, from St. Louis back to Los Angeles, they were promised a new stadium and it will be on display Sunday. If, you know, I know that the game's going to be shown worldwide. So if you have a chance there in the, in the UK to watch the game, you'll see the stadium is state of the art. 
It's extremely beautiful. The weather is going to be around 90 degrees, one of the warmest days in Super Bowl uh, history. It's going to really showcase the city of Los Angeles. Hopefully there won't be any truckers, you know, blocking the streets and, and causing problems. But um, it, it should be it should be a real showcase day for Los Angeles, a, a real chance for the Rams to uh, to show what they what they're made of and, and solidify the you know their, their fan base. And <laughs> the game should the game should be a great game. I mean the game yeah. should, the game should be great. These two teams have excellent you know quarterbacks. The the story of Joe Burrow from the Cincinnati Bengals, who the Rams will be playing, is amazing. He's he's got a chance to do something nobody else has ever done: win a Heisman Trophy, then win a national championship undefeated. And then win a Super Bowl right out of college, which which would be an, a, an unbelievable feat if he was to pull it off. And he's good enough to do it. The question is, are the Rams a little bit more hungry because they had a taste of the Super Bowl and lost it a few years ago? And is there? And they say that they give the edge to the Rams' defense a little bit more experienced. So, but we'll see. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen on any given Sunday. Any team can beat any other team, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now you see the thing is, your cardiologist is just giving me a ring. I can hear it. He's saying, <laughs> calm Bruce down. It's going to be bad enough on Sunday when he's watching it. You've got to keep his blood pressure down. It's been fantastic to hear you so excited in a good way rather than angry and wound up in the sort of way that maybe has contributed to some of the problems you've had. Bruce, it's always good to chat. Thank you so much indeed for setting up the um, the Super Bowl for Sunday. One of the things that we often see in the UK is just how fantastic the advertisements from the sponsors are during the advert breaks because you know going back to your days when uh, you know you were in the sort of marketing side of things there's a lot of money riding on um, the people who advertise uh, on the telly breaks isn't there and they often spend billions of dollars oh, yeah, yeah. phenomenal adverts yeah the commercials are they, they cost a fortune to make and they cost a fortune to advertise i mean the super bowl is probably the biggest advertising day in the history of television, um, the Super Bowl commands the highest ad prices. So your commercials better be darn good if you're paying that kind of money. And the expectation each year surrounding these commercials is extremely high. And, you know, and it's unfortunate that, you know, some of them do deliver, but, you know, many, many seem to disappoint. Oh, right. But uh, hopefully this year we'll see some, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the theme is. Every year, you know, they, there's, there's themes that they're funny or the themes that they're slapstick. Or they, they they deal with the environment. Um, it'll be interesting to see the tone if they're they're going to pull at the heartstrings and the emotions regarding the if there's going to be any pandemic related. Yeah. Getting back to or unifying the country related. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where, what direction these these spots go in this year. But there's always some theme that emerges, you know, regarding these spots that these companies do. So should be fun. Bruce. I mean. It's going to be fantastic. So just relax. Make sure you've got lots of your favorite drinks so you can hydrate because I know you get get involved and you get excited. Um, yeah. And we'll find out all about it uh, when you and I join forces again for another edition of American Cousins. But for the moment, Bruce, thank you very much indeed for joining us here on Siren Radio. Uh, you're so welcome, Andrew. Again, stay safe and healthy, everybody up in Lincoln. Hopefully we'll get to see you one of these days real soon.